two have don't come that often. This is a seminar style meeting. We teach the big book. We teach the steps. We use materials from this book, Carry This Message. And this is from the Joe, who did the Joe and Charlie weekends. And it's how you sponsor and sponsor you work the steps. And then this is the steps we took. It's not a approved, and if you want to know what a approved literature means, get on the site and read my thought on what a approved <laughs> literature on experiencethebook.org. A lot of people listen all over the world now, I guess, to the podcast, but the, if you get on the site, we have thoughts on recovery. And um, <clears throat> on uh, Sunday night, we started the big book over. I think we're in our 11th time now. We started this meeting in 2008 after my son died. And uh, the reason I started this meeting because I thought that uh, the thought came to me from God, I believe, uh, when we put him in the ground that uh, that evening I was really troubled. You can imagine he died a drug overdose in his car, couldn't help him. And God said, you know, do a meeting like Joe and Charlie and teach the big book so that people can uh, know what the directions are so they don't have to die in their car. And so I've been doing it. Uh, since then, I think I've gotten better at it. The more you do it, it's like anything, the better you get. So we're on, we're going to cover this synchronicity of events, which has some really good stuff. And then there's a little bit in here about AA and how it's changed. It's powerful information. And then we'll pick up with doctor's opinion and start through the book on Sunday night. On Saturdays, we finish step uh, six and seven, and we're going to be on page 76, and we're going to be looking at the steps eight and nine. And then on Wednesday, we finish the preamble, and we are going to start on step three and, and uh, go through the book. And then I use the steps we took and carry this message. They do information when we finish the step in the big book. It says on page 17, this is where we ended last week. We ended with Bill W. We looked at how Bill W. got the solution from uh, Ebby Thatcher, who, uh, and he got the problem, uh, knowledge of the problem from uh, Dr. Silkworth, and he knew about the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, but he didn't have a program to work until he went to the Oxford group, and the first thing he had to do was change his mind about God, and you can read Bill's story, how he argued about whether God could help him or not while he's drinking and dying. Does that sound like an alcoholic? And then he changed his mind, and we're here today. And so he went to, uh, he went to Akron to uh, do a business deal, and this was in May of 1935. He got sober in November 1934, and he had six months of working with alcoholics, but he was not able to get anybody sober. But his wife said, you're sober, Bill. It's done something for you, and that's where we get when all else has failed. Work with one alcoholic will save the day. And why? Because you're getting out of yourself, right? And you're turning yourself to someone else. So he went to become a success again. And I read last week at the end the vision for you where he describes the Saturday afternoon, the Mayflower lobby, where the deal's gone bad, he has no money, shit's hit the fan. Bill's getting a little self-pity. Can you see where this is headed? Mm -hmm. And he stands in the lobby, and on one end is the bar, and the other is the church directory. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard we stood at the turning point? Where do you think that came from? And this is the turning point where we're here today. 
So he was thinking of the bar, and he said, just a few drinks. You know how alcoholics are. He didn't say, I could have one drink. First, he said, the music. He's going to go listen to the music. Then three drinks. <laughs> and then he, he writes it so well. He shivered. Fear gripped him. And he shivered because God made his move and said, Bill, bad idea. Now, how did he have that relationship with God? He had had six months where he worked with other alcoholics. He did the Oxford group. He, they had quiet time, prayer meditation. And he had that relationship with God that said, Bill, let's turn away from the drink. And he wouldn't have had that on his own because if you read the story, he was dying. And he went to the church directory and it says, um, um, uh, we'll read this now, it starts with Dr. Bob. And so was a member of the Oxford group in Akron. Remember, the group came to Akron because, and we're on page 17 here, right in the middle. All right, calm down, Dino. Um, Dr. Bob was in the Oxford group. The Oxford group was a group of people who were trying to practice fundamental Christian principles. They had six steps. We're going to look at that on the next page. And Dr. Bob uh, couldn't stop drinking. And... Um, um, he, um, the Oxford group came to Akron from uh, the Henry Firestone's son, the head of Firestone Tires with Alcoholic, and uh, he was friends with Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison's uh, second in command was in the Oxford group, and he sent him to get his son sober, and it worked. And so then he wanted, they wanted, Firestone wanted the Akron group to come to Ohio, and it was there, and Dr. Bob went there, but he couldn't stop drinking. And it says, the story goes that the Oxford, uh, Oxford group wrote down their guidance they received in their morning meditation. They practiced quiet time. Quiet time was essential for recovery from alcoholism in, in the beginning. I still do it today. It's not talked about as much as meetings. It was, there, were only, there were not any meetings in those days. They did quiet time, and, they, and when they got together, they would read scripture, and then they would meditate on the scripture, and then write what they got out of it, and they would share that. And one day, Henrietta Cyberling, a, a member of the Oxford group in Akron, in which Dr. Bob was a part, wrote down their morning meditation, God's guidance, that Bob, Dr. Bob should not drink one more drop of whiskey. Mm -hmm. And actually, uh, she said that she prayed that God would send somebody to Dr. Bob. And this was in April of 1935. Get the hint? And Dr. Bob, uh, uh, we're going to say, he couldn't stop drinking with the Oxford group. Um, so Bill Wilson came to Akron. He got the names that he got, found Reverend Walter Tunks. What a name. That's how we're here today. And Tunks uh, said that he knew somebody, he was busy, and he gave him uh, Henrietta Cyberling's number. And he called her that afternoon. I didn't, under, I didn't know this for a while. He actually had dinner at her house. And she was going to uh, get Dr. Bob, but she called Dr. Bob's wife, Lois Smith, because they were in the Oxford group together. And Lois said, Dr. Bob's uh, not going to make it tonight. He's, he's passed out in the uh, living room with a potted plant that he bought me for Mother's Day. So Dr. Bob was potted, and he had a potted plant. And I think it is true. There's a lot of folklore, but it's true. 
And it said, Dr. Bob had been in the ACCA group for two years. He read the Bible. He prayed all the time. He knew the solution. He knew the program of action. But before he met Bill, so they went. The next day, Dr. Bob said he'll give Bill 15 minutes. Isn't that great? You're dying, and somebody's going to spend 15 minutes is offering the help. And they talked for four hours. And what happened was that Bill told him about his alcoholism, his obsession of the mind, his allergy of the body, and that he was powerless. And when Dr. Bob, he thought drinking was a sin. And minding his own sobriety, uh, Bill sat down with him and explained the problem. And you see, Dr. Bob, when he saw that he was powerless, he could see hope. He could forgive himself. He had shame and guilt. He thought he was a horrible sinner, but he was just an alcoholic. He was powerless. Anybody else here powerless? And so, um, and then the stockbroker told the doctor the exact nature of the problem. And I heard this uh, excellent speaker, Father Bill W. You can listen to him on XA Speakers. He said that when you die of alcoholism, um, uh, you're with God because you were powerless to do otherwise. And God loves us, remember. And he says if you die sober, then you have a relationship with God. So it's a win-win thing. And that helped me when my son died. I listened to that and I felt he was powerless and he couldn't do anything differently. And, and it was just his time God kept him from suffering anymore. Uh, that really helped me seeing it that way. Uh, Dr. Bob saw the problem. He started to recover. Not only did Dr. Bill help Dr. Bob, he also learned the effectiveness of carrying the message in this way. Now what really happened was he met Dr. Bob in May of 1935, second weekend, and then he went, after a couple weeks together, he decided to go to the AMA convention, Dr. Bob. Lois uh, Smith told Bill, bad idea, don't let him go, he gets drunk, he's not gonna stay sober there. So Bill said that, you know, we can't keep him out of the world, we can't keep him locked up, so they let him go, and of course he got drunk, he was a mess, he came home, he hid from them and went to uh, one of his nurses' house for a day or two. Then they, they came and got him. They sobered him up enough. And then he had to do this surgery. And they gave him a beer. He was shaking. So they, and he was a rear-end doctor. He was a proctologist, but he was basically, you know, he worked on your a-hole. And, and so we had an a-hole doctor, and we had this shyster stockbroker, and that's where we are today. Think about it. And people have tried to find out the name of the guy who gave his rear end for AA, but they haven't been able to. But they gave him a drink, and he went and did the surgery, and he called after the surgery and told him it went well. But then he didn't come home, and they were really worried. And they thought, well, you know, he had booze and he's going to... But he came home late at night and what he had done was go around to make amends and tell everybody he was an alcoholic and he was sorry. And for him to admit that and have that humility, that made the difference. It freedom of the shame and guilt. And then he stayed sober the rest of his life. They went within two days to find the third guy. You hear all this stuff, you got to wait 90 days, you got to have six months to chair a meeting. I don't know where that came from. It's not in the big book. But uh, they were found Bill Dodson, and that's brilliantly described in A Vision for You, pages 157 58. If you have time, uh, find the podcast on Vision for You. Listen to Bill Dodson and what happened. It was just a 
powerful stuff. And that's when AA, uh, as we know it, began. And soon the action principles began to fall on the line. This became the program of the first hundred. And then after visiting with the Oxford group members, Bill went back to New York for better understanding their program. And he met Hank Parkhurst and a few others at the Oxford group. And they eventually started their, their meetings where they, uh, they eventually separated from the Oxford group. So Bill Wilson was the first, and this is the, what Joe and Charlie make the point, the first person to have the whole program of recovery. He got in the problem from Dr. Silkworth, right, the mind, the allergy of the body, the solution from Debbie Thatcher, who got it from Roland Young, who got it from Dr. Young. Dr. Young gave us the solution to alcoholism. He was a famous psychiatrist in Switzerland in the 1930s, and he told Roland that you have a mind of a chronic alcoholic. No one can recover. You're doomed. Now, I did a year of therapy on Roland, and he didn't realize that Roland had the mind of an alcoholic. We're pretty clever, aren't we? And so uh, Roland didn't bother to tell him about his drinking. And then uh, after he got a year of therapy, he left Switzerland and got drunk in Paris three days later. That's when he went back to Dr. Young. And Dr. Young told him that there's no hope if you have a mind of a chronic alcoholic, except there's this phenomenon that means it cannot be explained where some alcoholics have had a complete spiritual rearrangement of their whole thinking. And, he's, and it's described on page uh, 27 of our big book where there's a change in our attitude and outlook in life, a rearrangement of our ideas and our priorities. Something has happened. And then, uh, so Roland says, well, I've been to church. He says, no, we're not talking about church. We're talking about something that's spiritually changed. And he went back and he, and he uh, went to the Oxford group in the Calvary Church with Reverend Shoemaker. And that's where he uh, rescued Ebby Thatcher, who went to Bill W. It's amazing. And the program of action we got from the Oxford group, so none of this came from an alcoholic. Nothing in the big book is, is uh, like they talk about Bill wrote the book. None of this is Bill Wilson's ideas. And if you get this book by Dick B. called uh, Reverend Shoemaker in the Big Book, you'll see how Reverend Shoemaker, all of his writings were incorporated. Like we talk <laughs> about, uh, you know, the third step, those powerful pages, selfishness, self-centeredness, all that that we read. That came out of this book, uh, I Am a Pagan, where man was describing his alcoholism. So they took all this information the Oxford group had, they put it together for us. And I believe it's put together by God. Uh, you know how I know it? Because the more I study it, the more I learn. It's like the Bible. It's a spiritual books. The more you study it, the more you see. There's words in there that just come up. I mean, I said this too. Where was this word? In fact, uh, we found one when we were reading before. All right, enough. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm talking too long. All right, the 12 steps that were the origins of Silkworth Young and the Oxford group. And he had nothing to do with originating it. I think he had a brilliant way of writing. If you've read the big book and studied, anybody think it's, it's brilliant? Yes. And it, it's brilliant because the way it's written is it's always the problem and then the solution. Each line, they'll tell you the problem, then the next line is the solution. It's very, very, very well written. And I don't really, I really, the one thing I'd really like to have been was there when they put the paragraphs together and they put the lines together and see. Um, it took a while and there were a lot of people involved. So the program recovery, the problem with step one came in Silkworth 1930, the solution Dr. Young in 31, 
the program of action from the Oxford group. And I really believe it's like Saul on the Damascus Road uh, was hit by uh, a spiritual experience that changed him and told him to preach the scripture right throughout the world. And something happened to Bill W. in that, ho in that Oxford, in that uh, hotel in 1934 that he had to go and spread the message. And God uses people. He uses them all the time. Hopefully he's using me today. He's using Norm and others here. He expanded the Oxford group tenets. We talked about it yesterday. We looked at steps six and seven, and we looked at how they added certain steps to make it. Uh, they didn't want loopholes. When How It Works that we read tonight, John did a great job, was actually written intact in one hour after prayer and meditation. Bill W. didn't know what, the, what steps, how he was going to write the program. And he prayed about it, and then he just wrote it. And that, that is true, and I've heard him talk about it. He takes no credit for it. He was inspired by God. When he wrote the steps of 38, Bill Wilson did a lot more than just put them together. He found the language alcoholics were more likely to respond to. And they talk about Bill, but it was really a lot of people. He knew we didn't like surrender. Anybody like surrender? No. no. We didn't like witness, and we certainly don't like sin. I mean, it's the bondage of self. Who are they kidding, right? And, and so they didn't like surrender, but they did put abandon in it quite a few times. Anybody read the big book? It talks about complete abandon, which is a nice way of saying surrender. And then we read yesterday that they put the first step in <coughs> because they wanted us to admit that we're licked. And that's what they said the first step, are you licked? They would ask each other <coughs> and admit that you're licked, not intellectually, but in here. And I hope you admit you're licked and you stay licked forever because that's the gift. And so they... Uh, the first tenet was surrender, and Bill replaced the word surrender with uh, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understood him. But they do say we must stop playing God, right? Mm -hmm. Why? It didn't work. Now, it took me a while. Do you know why it doesn't work? Not We're not God. It took me a while. One day it came to me. Wow. You know? Because that's how egocentric we are, right? That we could read that and say, oh, yeah, I should play God. But why? Why did it work? Well, because I'm not God. And that's very humbling. Anyway, I, I, I'm having fun tonight. The second Oxford group step was examine your sins. And we said, <laughs> we didn't do that. We made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. And then they had the sharing and confessing, and that's where we get steps five and six, five. Now, we added six and seven. And I, I, I did this uh, before, and I wrote this thing here, and I said, wow, how did I think of that? I wrote the steps of change of transformation are six and seven. And I wrote, we change our character with six and seven, the God's character, and then we change our behavior in step 10. I thought that's pretty good because at step 10 is how do we react all day long? And if we have God's character, then our behavior will reflect it. And we do six and seven all day long and with God's power. So I change my character in six and seven to change my behavior in step 10. In step 10, it says that we will recoil from alcohol. Anybody think that's a good idea? Yeah. And it says we stop fighting everybody and everything. If we react, this is the way we react if we're in fit spiritual condition. Mm -hmm. 
So he added six and seven, then he added 10. Uh, they added restitution in eight and nine. And the last Oxford group was asked for guidance, which was their quiet time. And we have sought through prayer and meditation. He didn't like witness, um, but they talked about having had a spiritual awakening as a result of this step. We tried to carry this message to Dr. Hawks. Now I wrote here, you can't witness to something you haven't seen or done, right? So a witness is somebody who has had the experience. And I think one of the problems today is we have people who are witnessing, but it's not witnessing this. It's their own witness. It's not this. And then people hear mixed messages. And then you can't take somebody through the steps if you haven't practiced it. And then if you witness, how can you tell if somebody's witnessing? Are they practicing the principles in all their affairs, you see? And that's part of step 12, isn't it? It's something we don't talk about a lot, but that's the third part of the 12 step. Are you practicing these principles in all your affairs? Then this is just the, uh, what we talked about, the Oxford group steps. And then I'm going to read, I'm sorry, we're going to run over a little, not a lot of discussion time, but I want to read this about AA, what it was like and how it's changed. Is that okay? It says, it says we're fighting a tide, and this is in the chapter in this, there's called Passing on a Special Gift. And it's on page seven now. We're fighting a tide of other information, other approaches. Basically, the only AA plan is the big book plan. Anybody agree with that? See, one thing we have to remember is if I want the cake that they baked, I have to use the same recipe. Now, what I did, I added my own ingredients sometimes. Then I didn't have that cake. And then I said, well, things aren't going well. Well, you're eating the wrong cake, Michael. Stupid. And so if we can impress anybody, that's why I do these meetings. These are the specific directions. Follow these directions and tell us what happened. Norm told you tonight. It was a powerful uh, testimony. And really what we're supposed to do is give our testimony. He wrote, in the last 10 or 15 years, there's been a trend towards leading the, learning the big book. And that's basically because of the Joe and Charlie. They went around the whole country and did big book weekends. They had these CDs when the treatment movement was becoming really uh, prominent because uh, insurance would pay for our treatment. And he says, I've seen a lots of young women, more drug addicts and alcoholics from rough, seemingly hopeless situations. I've seen them in this room. I've seen them come here. I've seen them pull themselves together. It's not because of me, but it's because of the message in the book. And they hold jobs, they help other people. The program of the big book is still changing lives. I've seen people dying of heroin come in here and been able to get uh, relief. And of a, that's a very hopeless condition if you've ever dealt with it and become sober and clean and effective uh, uh, life in here and other rooms. This program works. He says we're losing old timers. The old timers growth comes through helping newcomers to work the steps. If carrying this message isn't going on, the old timers may lose interest in the fellowship. That may be true. Uh, what makes you an old timer? See, an old timer is just somebody's worked the steps. You see? And a lot of people will come and they'll tell me they have a sponsor. And then they'll go, he has 30 years. And it's like, okay, he has 30 years, so I'm going to get some power from the 30 years. 
And they think that in their mind, because that must be, because they say it. I probably said that, because my sponsor had 30-sub years. I can't remember. Uh, God bless him. He, he died several years ago. But uh, you need somebody who's done the steps, who can witness to you what they did. And so uh, we have these rules that you have to have six months to lead a meeting. I heard that. And, and, and remember, Abby had 60 days. So my, my message has always been, I'm consistent, <laughs> if not annoying, that you need to do this and do it quickly. Why? Because if you haven't worked the steps, you're sober without, a, without the solution. How long can you live sober without working the steps and not drink? See, so you ask yourself that if you're not doing this. Because step zero is when you decide to recover and you're not doing anything. And then how long can you stay at step zero? And that made a big impression on me. It says, we all love AA, I love AA. It saved my life. But somewhere the principles have gotten lost and when we start losing the message, we start losing the fellowship. And I wrote that uh, we have a fellowship program. You hear it's a selfish program. Newcomers are the most important. Meeting makers make it. Think through the drink. How can you think through the drink when you have an obsession of the mind? Take what you want, leave the rest. Don't rush the steps. 90 meetings in 90 days. Has anybody heard any of those things? Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's true, but that's a fellowship program. I'm not saying that's good or bad. Oh, and fake it till you make it. I like that one. <laughs> and so, uh, no steps, no results, no change, no <clears throat> spiritual awakening. And so that, those things aren't bad, but if you're new and you've never been here or read the book, you hear those things. And then you find the sponsor who tells you those things, and then you don't, you're not offered this solution. So one thing we could try to do is at least get the solution to people, where they do or not is up to them. Step 12 says, having a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message in practice. So what is the message? What is the message? It's pretty simple. Having had a spiritual awakening is the result of these steps. So my message should be that something's happened to me as a result of these steps. And if you want to know what I did, I'll show you. And we should be witnessing so new people will say, well, I want to do that. And the reason I, one of the other reasons I started this meeting was so people would be able to do this and then they would be able to take other people through the steps. And I've seen that happen. It, it's, it's, uh, it's very powerful when you see that. It's not, it has nothing to do with me, it has to do with God. And if we have, uh, it says you must have worked the steps if you're gonna have the message. And here's the thing, they have a Wednesday night big book study. It says if you've taken these steps and have gotten results, share your experience. And I wrote, if you not take these steps, shut up. <laughs> I mean, don't you want to tell somebody to shut up in some of the meetings you go to? Oh, God, I'm in trouble now. I shouldn't have recorded. I've never said it, but I, I must admit I've thought it a couple times. Probably people are asking, is he ever going to shut up tonight? Um, and it tells, in, ch in Chapter 7, it tells you what to do and when to do it, and it tells you what not to do. Very specific instructions. And Dr. Young told Rowan, I believe that every human being has an inner search for wholeness. I've been able to help a person who found their wholeness in alcohol. Does that make sense? Alcohol became our solution, but we were searching really for God. 
Roland and Dr. Young wrote Bill W. <coughs> that when he s saw alcoholics have a longing for God. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I was an alcoholic long before I drank. Yeah. I always, I needed something to be okay. There was something missing. And it says nowadays sponsorship's more friendship than going through the book, and we talked a little bit about that. But I th I've noticed in Topeka the last few years there's been a renaissance of the big book. We're having a big book seminar. People are having more big book studies. Sponsors are sponsoring with the big book. I've noticed a big change. And I think our success rate will go up because of that. And it says, but if you haven't had a spiritual awakening, you can't carry this message. And it says at the end of the big book on page 164, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. So if you pick a sponsor, find somebody who's worked the steps. Uh, and then I'm just going <coughs> to finish this last paragraph. He says, we put emphasis on sobriety. That's what we give coins for, right? But really, that's not the goal of the program. The goal is to produce a personality change. And, and really, if you're sober for a long time, but you don't feel good and nothing's changed, you might want to get back and do the steps, get somebody to go through the book. He says there's some miserable people attending AA, uh, uh, but they're just not drinking, but they haven't really had a spiritual change. And it says if we carry this message, we need to be reminded what it is, and the existence of our fellowship depends on it, our lives depend on it. My life depends on it. So I'm sorry to go over. I hope this was helpful. It's good stuff, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So and ne next time we'll pick up with um, doctor's opinion. Thank you. Again, congratulations to the birthdays. And... Uh,